Let me just uh, pose a, a question to you. How many of you are struggling with lust, pornography, uh, masturbation, or other sexual sins? Show of hands. We got a few honest people. Let me, let me you know, for all of you at home, maybe it's, maybe you got what's in this room or at Kerman, uh, uh, you get a bunch of blank stares. Some of you are just staring at your screen right now or you're staring straight ahead saying he's hopefully not looking right at me. But this is all real. And, and, and so while we don't want to openly go, man, this is a huge area in my life, every single one of us, whether you're a teenager in here or, or you're a senior citizen, whether you're a man or a woman, you have dealt with sexual temptation. Or maybe you're dealing with sexual temptation. Or maybe you are on the backside of some serious pain and hurt because of indulging in your sexual temptation. And so today I want to speak with you about how do we deal with our own temptation? How do we deal with that? Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. This, this is the key. What the what we're going to do is we're going to confess. You got to get it out there and confess it to God, who, by the way, already knows all those things that you think that nobody knows in your life. He knows. And, and we got to bring it out into the open and be transparent because it's in that transparency with God and with others, which we're going to talk about, that you're going to find healing. With God, you're going to find forgiveness. God says that he forgives. He already knows and when you ask him to forgive your sins, it says he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sin and unrighteousness. But we need to find healing together with each other. James 1.13 says, when, tempt, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when... By his own evil desire, he is dragged away and what? Enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Many of us have lived this verse out, unfortunately. Because we've been enticed and we've given in and it's given birth to sin. And it has destroyed areas of our life. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to entice you. I hope that your head is not buried in the sand to know that that is what the enemy wants to do. It says he comes to seek, to steal, to rob, to destroy, to kill. He wants to tear your life apart. He wants to tear your family apart. That's what he wants to do. Now this entice word comes from a Greek word, delaazo. It's a Greek word that, that means to entrap or to allure or to entice, to hook. I love Pastor Steve uh, a few years ago did a, a message in which he was talking about fishing and I'm not big into fishing, but, but he has different lures that, that you use in fishing because it entices, whether it, it, it sparkles or it's a certain color and it moves a certain way to entice the fish to go. And the enemy knows what's that thing that's going to entice you to go. Because ultimately, he wants to hook you. And far too many of us have been hooked. 
And we've been thrashing around, but we have been so, we're hooked so deep into it that we can't get off. We can't seem to get free of it. So how does this play out? Well, there's four stages to becoming hooked. That I think that no matter whether you're a teenager here today or you're a senior citizen, whether you're a male or a female, you can identify with these four areas that have the potential of hooking every one of us into sexual temptation. The first stage, if you're taking notes, is this, that you're exposed to sexual impurity. We've all been exposed at some point in our life to sexual impurity. Every single one of us can point um, to, the, to the fact that this is a real thing that we have experienced in life. We live in a broken, sinful, screwed up world. And so we will be exposed to impurity. Now, I don't know how this has played out for you, but, but maybe, maybe, it, maybe it played out in a way in which when you were a little kid and, and you had a, a friend come over and you played doctor. Or you played house and you were exposed to sexual impurity. Or, or maybe, maybe you went over to your buddy's house and you found dad's porn stash and you were exposed to impurity. Maybe it was when you were 13 or 15 or 17 and you're in the backseat of a car and someone pushed you to do something sexually that it now then began to change because now you've been exposed to sexual impurity. And maybe, unfortunately, this is, this is true for way too many people and it breaks my heart, but maybe someone hurt you. Maybe somebody, someone did something to you and at that moment... Sadly, you were exposed to sexual impurity. For me, it happened in junior high. I was over at my buddy's house and we found a stack of his uncle's magazines in the garage. A big stack, impressive stack. So as a young junior high, 13-year-old kid, I went through, and me and my buddy, we went through every article in every one of those magazines. And it changed my life forever. It exposed me and changed, unfortunately, and a lot of negative things that then would come into my life because I was exposed to sexual impurity. And, and, and a lot of women might not understand this, but I think most men can connect with the fact that, that we... Um, our, our brains, when we've been exposed to sexual impurity, it literally is, is burned into the hard drive of our mind. And, and some 33 years ago, when this first happened to me, I can, I can still go back and, and, and see images and pictures that I was exposed to. I mean, I mean they're forever there, branded into our memory. What happens is, is that I was exposed to sexual impurity, which is going to lead then to the second phase that we are going to experience. And you probably never thought of it this way, but you were, you sustained a mental injury. You were mentally injured, maybe, and you were spiritually injured, emotionally 
They've been physically injured. Think about it this way. It's, it's, you sustain a mental injury. It's like being in a computer and you get a virus. And what happens when you get a virus? It damages the brains of the computer and the files are corrupted. And all of a sudden it doesn't work the way that it should, does it? You're calling tech support. You're trying to figure, figure out how, how you can reboot and fix the problem because it doesn't function the way that it should. So in junior high, I sustained a mental injury and it changed the way that I saw women. And far too many of us right now can go back to that time in which sexual impurity came into our life. And that injury took place. We begin to see how that has changed. Us in unfortunately very bad ways. Here's the third one. Is that then you become sexually confused. So I have this injury and, and yet then we become confused about, about it because there's these two sides, right? There's these two areas that, that, gosh, you know, here's what happens in junior high. I'm looking at these pictures and there's a rush. There's a thrill. The reality is that my eyes liked what I saw, even though I didn't even comprehend exactly what was all going on and I didn't have the maturity level, but I knew enough to know that I liked what I was seeing, but at the same time, I felt shame and guilt knowing that it was wrong, that I shouldn't be seeing it. And so there's this battle that's going on in our, in our minds. I like it, but I shouldn't like it. I feel good, but then I feel really bad. And it starts a cycle within us that then oftentimes it just continues to build and, and, and into our lives in which we grow from adolescence to adults to older adults and we, and we stay in this cycle of just this confusion. I, I can so relate to Paul in Romans 7 when he said the things that I want to do, I don't do, right? And the, and the things that, that I should do, I don't. And I can't even tell you how many times I've said to my wife or I've said anything, I'm just really screwed up. Because there's this battle going on inside of me. And we're confused. And then we experience seasons of, you know, self-hatred. A failure. We begin putting identifications on ourselves that God never intended nor wants us to label ourselves as. And so I go through periods maybe where I feel bad. I feel guilty. I know I shouldn't do this. And yet then it can very easily switch where now I go through seasons of justification. Seasons in which that, well, everyone does it. I mean, just turn on the TV, you see it, it's all over there. I'm not that, I'm not weird. And we begin justifying. So there's confusion and that brings about Tension. And then there's this, there's this rush and then there's this shame and they're, and they're all so mixed up. And then it, what it leads to is this, the fourth one, is that you, then you experience periods of sexual sobriety followed by sexual binges. There, there's, there, there's times in, in, in my life that it's like, 
you know, we have times of sobriety in which it's like, God, you know, God, I'm giving this to you and God, just take it away from me. And we have these seasons and then we have the other side where we give into our flesh and we justify it. So you may go a week without doing anything sexually impure or maybe a month or six months. And then one day you just mess up and then through the justification, you just go, well, you know, I've already lost my virginity. So, I mean, I didn't keep myself for marriage. So what's the big deal now? And we buy into that lie that keep living in darkness. Or maybe you've looked at pornography and you realize that, that after viewing it for periods of time, well, it didn't ruin my marriage. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it didn't hurt our relationship. And we buy into that lie as a form of justification. Or maybe you're single and you're in the mindset of like, hey, when I get married, this is going to solve this issue. It's going to change. Any married people say, uh, that didn't work. You've got an injury. And many of us have lived our lives continuing through this cycle and not finding healing. And we're stuck. And so this is why this becomes this, this, this dark sexual secret that we, the church, don't like to talk about because it's not of God. So every single one of us has dealt with it in our own way and experienced things and, and, and it's come out in different areas of our life and yet it's the secret sin of the church. Because even though we've all dealt with it, we, we don't like to talk and just say, man, this is real. What are we gonna do? And we feel so alone. And the reality is, is that you can't do it alone. That's not how God designed us. God designed us to be in relationship with others. And, I, and I've talked to so many people that when we've talked about sexual sin and, and things in their life, it's like, well, I've confessed it, so I should be good. And it's like, yeah, you are forgiven. I can go to scripture after scripture to confirm, yes, you're forgiven. But it isn't until that you, you, you have a, accountability that you're going to find healing. James is very clear about that. And so if you get nothing else from today, you want to, you want to finally own and deal with the sexual temptations of your life. I encourage you to talk to somebody, men to men, women to women, find somebody that can hold you accountable. Find somebody who cares about you and will be an ear, but won't, and won't, won't, but won't just speak you know, what you want to hear, but tell you, man, you're messing up in this area. That'll pray for you when you're in a moment of weakness or call bull when they know that you're justifying and reasoning. Accountability is so important. In your, in your message notes, I just want to encourage you under additional resources, this is an application message that it's like, okay, what am I going to do? My, my prayer I've shared with, with my wife and, and, and with Shane and, and some of the other brothers that I've been meeting with this week about this is that it's always a fine line where I give a practical message of application that just 
it sounds good, but it's like I don't have to do anything, or maybe they're talking to somebody else next to me. If only this person. My prayer is that today, whatever it is that God's prompting you, that you take action. There's all kinds of books. There's websites. We got Celebrate Recovery that meets here on Wednesday nights. There's a men's sexual integrity group that you can email Bob and he can get you connected with. There's the new creation ministry if you were a part of last uh, Sunday night's seminar. And there's many others. But that you do something. Now I'm going to give you three tools just to help protect the wound that you're carrying. Three thoughts on, on how we can do this. We can, we, can, we can do this, but, but by, by no means are these the three, I check off box one, box two, box three, I guess I'm okay. I hope that you don't hear that. These are tools to help you. But again, this relationship's gotta be right and just as important, this relationship. Man to man, woman to woman. So here's the first one. How do I protect the wound? Oh, how about I bounce, my, bounce your eyes? Anybody who's been a part of a sexual integrity is gonna hear this because we talk a lot, especially in guys' groups, about bouncing your eyes. How do we train our eyes because we're such visual people on what we fixate on? We all have the thing that um, entices us, right? We all have that area that, that hooks us. And so our eyes are, are huge freeways to allow temptation to come in. But you can begin to, to, to bounce your eyes and train yourself to know I shouldn't be looking at that. You know we all, have a, we all have a chance before we sin to not sin. We all have that, that time when, when you see that, you click that, 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 that thing pops up on the internet. You, you know you have that second where you get to make the choice before you hit enter what you're gonna do. Now, some of you guys are going to say, you know, okay, it's not that big of a deal. I hear this a lot. You know, you, you tell me not to look, but what's, what's the big deal? I'm just, I'm only window shopping. I've literally heard that. I'm only window shopping. I'm not buying anything. I, I'm just looking at the menu. And you have no idea the lies that you're telling yourself and the slippery slope that you're headed down. Gosh, man, we are so good at fooling ourselves. We are so good at fooling ourselves. Matthew 5, 27 says, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. I love, this is just an image picture, but it's removing yourself from the situation. If you're having an issue, if you can't go to the gym without lusting after people in the gym, then, then guess what? They make home gyms. You should get a home gym membership. They created these things called tennis shoes. You can just go for a walk. It's removing yourself from the area of temptation. I like the story of this guy at the mall, his wife, and him were shopping and he sees this young college girl. She walks by and she's got skimply dressed and, and, and so the guy looks 
And thinking that he gets away with it, you know, he takes, takes a second look and his wife, as he looks back, is staring right at him. And she says, was she worth the trouble that you are now in? Because that's where it starts. Job 31 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a young woman. I was meeting with a few men a few months ago and a friend and another North Pointer just started talking about this bouncing your eyes. And, and over years, he's taken it to another level. And I just found this so profound um, that it literally has, has uh, encouraged and helped me change in some of the, the areas in which that, uh, that I operate, specifically at the gym. See, if, 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 um, if lust of your eyes is a big temptation, that's a great strategy to bounce your eyes. But coming to the point, and he used this passage of scripture that you're familiar with, if you're familiar with the gospel in Luke chapter seven of Jesus um, going into to, to the Pharisee's house and a woman coming in and, and with her alabaster jar and anointing Jesus, a sinful woman, a prostitute. And Simon's looking at her and, 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 he's, and he's thinking in his mind, if, she, if Jesus only knew the kind of woman that was at his feet. And I, and I don't have time to walk you through the entire story, but, but, but it's so funny that Jesus then speaks to Simon's thoughts. Simon, who do you see? Because the woman that was there Jesus saw very differently than Simon. And so the challenge, you know, in, in the, this men's group that I was in was like, how do you see women at the gym? How do you see men at the workplace? And specifically, because I'm a guy, I'm not looking at men in the workplace. Um, Shane and Kevin are not that good looking. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But... But at the gym, it's like, do you see that? That is a child of God. And you begin to see people the way that Jesus sees people. It changes. I mean, believe me, if I see you checking out my daughter at the gym, I'm going to knock you out. I'm just telling you. But that's, that girl is someone's daughter, even if it's not my daughter. It's, it's a child of God. And so begin to see people differently changes your perspective. And then, and then you get to the place where it's like, okay, God, as I see, because your eyes are going to go to the things that, that you're drawn to. But instead of looking lustfully and, and instead of doing that, and then you begin, God, what is the need that this, this person that I should be praying for? God, help turn this into a, a prayer moment. Please make this, this potentially sinful sexual impurity and like only God can do, he can make it holy. Here's the second thing, is that you capture your sinful thoughts. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. At some point, the reality is you're gonna have bad thoughts. You're gonna have sinful thoughts, you're gonna have lustful thoughts, you're going to have thoughts that you didn't even know that you had. They come out of the blue. Sometimes you can wake up and have, you've had a dream, and you're like, where in the world did that come from? That's how the enemy works. 
He knows when you're stressed. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're most vulnerable. And then all of a sudden, something just pops up. Someone's going to walk by and you're going to go, oh. You got to take every thought captive. Some memory from your past is going to pop up in your mind. You got to capture that thought. What are you going to do on it? Or, or you're alone and you have time and, and you're all alone and, 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 and you start to fantasize and you begin to be tempted at looking at things that you shouldn't. You got to capture and replace that thought. Or you're watching your ta- favorite TV show and uh, McDreamy comes on and then you begin to go to that place where it's like, oh, if only my husband was like that. Capture every thought. See, you guys think I'm just talking a minute here. I'm just telling you. The, the rise of women who look at pornography is, is, is skyrocketing. The, the amount of women who are having affairs with married men is skyrocketing. This is, this, this, believe me, men, you're not off the hook. We, are, we, we got a lot of work to do. But this is all-encompassing. It's, it's, it's not just about how old you are. It's not just for the young and the college and the teenagers. It's for all ages, both sexes. And it's destroying us as a family. It's destroying us as individuals. So maybe you need to stop what you're doing. Take that captive thought and call a friend. Call an accountability partner. Hey, I'm struggling in this area. Can you pray for me? Maybe you, maybe you do something crazy and you pick up your Bible. And you start seeing what God wants to speak to you. you start hearing from him. Maybe you need to turn off the TV. Stop watching that show. Maybe you need to unplug the computer. Maybe you need to take the computer and throw it out the window. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, those are the things that you should be thinking on. In times of temptation, go to that scripture. And what are those things in my life that are pure? What are the things in my life that are right and admirable and lovely? So we're, protect, we're, we're protecting our wound by bouncing our eyes, by capturing sinful thoughts. And here's the third thing. Whenever sexual temptation comes, we're going to run for your life. I, I got to tell you, this is the only one of only two times that I'm going to endorse running. The other one is that someone is going to hurt you. I'm not a runner. But I'm telling you, this is the time that you need to run. Solomon, speaking to the adulterous, of the adulterous woman, said in Proverbs 5, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. For some of us, that's social media. It's the things that we watch. It's the company that we keep. And we need to run. We need to get away. 
Because the longer that you dabble, the more it's going to suck you in. And the tighter the grip of this temptation and the sin in your life is going to have a hold. 1 Corinthians, Paul says in chapter 6, flee from sexual immorality. What did he say to do? Let's just say this. He said to do what? Flee. Run. Escape. Get out of there. Not stroll. Not kind of wobble. It says flee. You look at other sins in the Bible, the Bible tells you to resist it. It tells you to fight it. When it comes to sexual immorality, he says flee. Run. Sprint. Hightail it out as fast as you can. Because the grip is so tight that it can ensnare you. It can hook you. And so the enemy wants you hooked. Now, how do you, how do, you do it? Let me give you some practical things. Here's the first one. Destroy your stash. Whatever it is. Stash of magazines, movies, subscriptions. Maybe it's social media. Destroy it. Maybe it's, you know, it's sometimes even the thing that's like, well, I don't have a, you know, I don't have magazines in the house that are Playboy, but gosh, do you see some of the like Cosmopolitan and other magazines? They are just full of hooks that are trying to entice you. How to improve your sex life in 14 different ways. And it goes in and it, and it, and it creates this, this false sense of, 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 of reality that, that it's okay to, to, and it just leads you into dark places. And all the imagery that's in there. Here's the next one, ensuring accountability when you're alone or when you're traveling. I love when I, before I came on staff here and I, I had a sales position at a company and it was automatic that when we booked our hotel that we had, when, when pay-per-view movies that were X-rated would be for anybody in the hotel room and you can call and you just have them turned off. Locked out. And we used to do that for our entire sales team. That don't even put the temptation when you're alone. What guardrails do you have up when you're alone? When you think no one's watching. When you think your wife's not home. When you think that your husband's asleep. What accountability do you have? Here's the third one is that you protect your internet usage. I mean, I mean the, the, the internet is like, you want to talk about a double-edged sword. Something that is so useful and so helpful and so um, good in so many ways, I can say the exact opposite, that it can be so destructive, so harmful, and destroy. What kind of accountability do you have? On your, on your thing, there's, there's, there's just two, two different covenant eyes. X3 watch, great, great programs that you can have accountability. And there's certain guys that I have on my list and certain people that get mine that shows what I look at, that I can see. 
Every Friday morning, guess what? Pastor Shane, I get an account. Everything he looks at. Now, what I will tell you is that his son, Aiden's on his computer more than he is <laughs> because it is such a strong filter that it shows things that are that's not even questionable. That's a, that's, a, that's a solid website. But it's so protective because it wants to create that accountability. And then here's the last one. You avoid all dangerous places. What is that dangerous place? Where is that for you? Is it when you're home alone? Is it not good for you to be home without your spouse and your kids? Is it the gym? I got to tell you, I used to, I used to go work out and I had a workout partner and I used to work out in my lunch hour. I felt like that wasn't good for me. I felt as the pastor across the street that all eyes are on me all the time. So even when you don't want to look, you're looking. And even when you don't want to seem like a creeper, I felt like a creeper. You know, and you have people that are dressed in certain ways and, and, you know, I'm not here to judge, but it's like, whoa, I get up and you're right there. And, and so it wasn't good for me. I'm telling you, I don't want to offend people, but the not so beautiful crowd comes at four in the morning <laughs> because we don't care about our makeup and we don't care about brushing our teeth and we don't care that it, some of us are in our pajamas from the night before. We're there to get in and get out. That's better for me. Maybe it's the UPS guy that makes the delivery. Maybe Ron, the UPS driver, is coming to deliver. And maybe you shouldn't be up there to receive the, the delivery because that's just an opportunity for you to flirt. Maybe you like the compliments. But it's not somewhere that you should go. It's a dangerous place. So here's a final thought. As you protect the wound from further injury, God's going to heal your mind. You got to protect that wound. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be what? Transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. Temptation isn't new. Men and women had dealt with this from the beginning of human history with Adam and Eve in the garden. Temptation is, is, is real. But there is forgiveness and there can be healing. But you have, the courage, have to have the courage to say enough is enough. I'm tired of living my life this way. Some of us have been walking around living with so much guilt and shame. And we think that there's no way that God loves me for what I've done or what I'm doing and we bought into to, to the lie that the, that the devil wants us to believe on the back of your notes you're going to see that I put the lies that bind us and then the truth that sets us free you are loved you are accepted you are forgiven but with that if you want healing maybe you need to make some changes Maybe the first change to make, the first thing to, the first step to take is that you find a brother or a sister and you have a hard conversation. And you say, you know, I didn't raise my hand in church when Ronnie asked because I was too embarrassed, but I need to raise my hand to you and say, I'm struggling in this area or I failed in this area or I am failing and I need some help. 
Take the courage. Have courage to take that step, to face that sin and make that change. Don't allow this to continue to control and have a foothold in your life. Break free from it today. Have you guys enjoyed this series, Love, Sex, and Culture? It's been hard, but it's real. And I think the church needs to hear it. We need to be more vocal about it because I think we can all relate and we all want to find freedom in walking in this area. Bow with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that your word does not return void, but God, that you, you know our deepest hurts. You know our pain. You know our past. You know that first impurity when we were exposed sexually and you know what we've done since then up to today. And God, yet you still sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to raise three days later so that we could have a relationship with you. The God, that we can come to you and it says that you will forgive our sins and be blotted out white as snow. God, just because you've forgiven us doesn't mean that we've been transformed by our actions. And so, God, I just pray that we would have the courage to take those necessary steps. To walk in humility, to say, man, I can't do this alone. I need other men and other women to walk alongside me and help me in this area. God, we love you and we praise you in your name.